Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good afternoon. Sally Hughes here. It's not like me to play Madonna, is it at all? Not like <laughs> you. No, never. Yeah. Um, I am here as usual with Kate Sevilla. And we are stoked, aren't we, about today's show? We're so super excited. Super excited. So excited. Um, so we have scaled back this week because we've got two subjects we want to go deep down into. Deep dive. Uh, so for the first hour, we have Rose Gallagher. And in the second hour, we have Lex Gillis, and they are respectively from Mixed Gems Beauty and Talented Lex. They are both beauty bloggers, and they blog about all sorts of things in this area, but mainly we're here to talk to them about rosacea, because it is national and international, I believe, Rosacea Awareness Month. Lots of people are talking about rosacea online, so I wanted the girls to give a personal perspective on rosacea, maybe chip in a bit myself, and I know Kate's really interested in that too. And then in the second hour, we have... Catlin Moran and Jojo Moyes doing a deep dive debrief of Fleabag. So I'm just warning you now, if you want to avoid spoilers, there will be so many so spoilers. Many spoilers. Um, we will ruin everything yeah. for you. All your dreams. Yeah, it's just going to come crashing down. And there are people in this room who haven't seen season two, so I'm super sorry. <laughs> but we feel ruined by Fleabag having seen it, so you should feel ruined too. Yeah. Level um, playing field. We're going to do a very um, deep analysis with Jojo and Catelyn in the second hour. But first, let's talk rosacea. Oh, I should explain, of course, that Madonna was playing, not because I love Madonna so much only, but because all the songs today are have a religious theme because <laughs> of Fleabag, which we will come back to. So everything today has a bit of God in it. Love a bit of God. <laughs> Um, <laughs> bit of God, bit of faith um, in all the songs today. Got some really good tunes coming up, but let's talk rosacea. Let's start with you, Rose. First of all, what the bloody hell is rosacea? Because I think it's only recently in the past few years that everyday men and women have even started using the term. I mean, I've got it and I can't even answer that question. <laughs> so I feel like for me... Um, rosacea is flushing and redness in your skin some of it is there all the time some of it flares up if for me for example I'm enjoying a glass of wine I'm having something <laughs> sugary but really it's one of those things that you're kind of prone to if you're prone to it you can develop it if you are using things that are a little bit um, harsh or irritant on the skin and really the main thing with it is that you just want to keep it at bay but you have to accept that you've kind of got it and that's okay and when did it manifest for you, Lex? Because you've written so much about this mm. and uh, you wrote very movingly, actually, this weekend, uh, which we'll come back to. I want to talk about that post. But when did you first become aware that things weren't quite every day about your skin? Um, I was about 21 and um, I'd always been a real... I'm very pale anyway and I'd always been quite a flushing kind of person. Um, and then I went away to university and I started drinking more and my diet wasn't very good. I had lots of late nights. I was in quite stressful situations, trying to make friends, all that kind of thing. And over time, I just noticed my skin was getting worse and worse and I'd never had any issues with my skin before. So I had no idea what to do. And it was just, I would 
flush but it would be like a deep kind of mottled purple color mm. and it would be so intense it would feel like kind of heat rash it would be really like itchy yeah. and prickly yeah and just so hot like the room we're in right now is quite hot but when I'm having a rosacea flare up it feels like sunburn it's like really hot to the touch um and so I didn't really know what to do about it so I just went to the doctors thinking they'd say oh yeah it's xyz here's a cream you'll be back to normal in a week um and as soon as I walked in the doctor was like well obviously you have rosacea and I was like I have no idea what you just said to me Mm, (laughs) I'd never heard the word before in my life had no idea what he was talking about um and he basically said yeah it doesn't have a cure here's a cream there you go on your way and that was pretty much it. <laughs> I think it's been a real learning curve for medical professionals as well because historically, uh, rosacea was very much seen as a middle-aged thing. Women got yeah. it in middle age. They got it round about menopause or men got it round about middle age as well um, to a smaller degree. And I see so much rosacea now in younger women and mm. I feel like the health service is trying to kind of catch up with yeah, what's definitely. going on. And I think what Lex is saying is interesting. I was always a bit of a flusher because there are just those kids, aren't there, mm, where yeah. you think, oh, well, they just blush. That's who they are. And it didn't occur to us until recently that actually this might be a flashpoint for something that's coming further down the line. Absolutely. And I think what didn't occur to me until recently and doing a bit more research is it is ideal to take those steps to keep it at bay and keep it calm and yeah. kind of react to those moments where it really flares up because it can progressively get worse. So for me, I'm just trying now to understand what really flares me up. Say when you just said there, Lex, when it feels so hot to the touch, mm. I absolutely get that sometimes. And that for me is a cue to just use something cooling, calm it down, take action. Before I'd have thought, oh God, my skin's a bit bad today. Whereas now I'll think no I actively need to calm this down because that really shouldn't be happening yeah it's an act of self-care isn't it it's knowing that you have to kind of commit an act of self-care and not just go oh it'll work itself out the way you do when it's when you're young I suppose yeah um I find it's becoming increasingly common so um some stats place rosacea cases at round about um just under two people per thousand other stats say about 80 to 100 people almost mm. per thousand. The stats are so wildly variable and I think perhaps it's because rosacea has become a catch-all term for redness. Definitely. Yeah. So when I first started working in beauty rosacea meant acne rosacea, which was a very specific concern, which we see all the time, um, where you have actual pustules mm. and spots and yeah. raised bumpiness and irregular texture that has a redness to it. So it's not quite like classic acne as we would call it and that's what rosacea meant and now rosacea has so many degrees of severity so many different triggers yeah can you tell us I mean you mentioned that sometimes you just have to calm things down can you tell us what the triggers commonly are for you two what will induce a flare-up um so my biggest one by far is stress so any kind of stress at all it can be anything from something that's actually genuinely stressful like the worst flare-up I've ever had was um the more night and morning before a job interview and I was just my face was just out of control. And so that kind of thing what, is What quite, was happening? It was really purple and like vibrantly purple in like a mask shape. So like a butterfly wing effect, which is quite common in people with rosacea. Um, my face was swelling. Um, it was just, it was boiling hot, really itchy. I just wanted to kind of claw my skin off. It just felt so awful. But then 
It will be any kind of time when I'm remotely stressed. So that moment when you're kind of scrabbling through your handbag and you can't find your phone. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I can feel the heat just rising in my skin. And so that, something like and that And that itself a, yeah. will stress you out. Yeah. So it's that yeah. horrible yeah. Oh, my cycle. skin's going and yeah. I have yeah. to be yeah. at a job no, interview yeah. or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. That's the thing. There's so much of it is, is, a, is a vicious cycle because... You know, I, I have a lot of people come to me who ask if they're ever going to be able to feel comfortable going out without makeup on. And I don't leave the house without makeup on. And I don't know. I can't say that I ever will. I don't know if I'll ever be that comfortable with it. But the stress, the thought of going out without makeup on makes me feel stressed, which mm-hmm. then triggers a yeah. flare up. Which yeah. Then so yeah. actually you might about be fine, skin. but you're yeah. in this self-perpetuating exactly. yeah, yeah. cycle. You, you, Rose, on social media and actually you too Lex have um, photographed yourself quite a lot and in your case you've done lots of videos with absolutely no makeup on yeah is there a safety about having that degree of separation of the camera and being in your own home um, yes and no because on one hand um I definitely feel perfectly fine to kind of put myself out there in the sense that I am in my living room in my pyjamas. No one can immediately comment back to me and say, look at you without Mm. your face on. But on the other hand, I do happily go anywhere without my makeup on because I just think, God, I'm so red that the way I kind of look at it is I need to just accept this as my skin because it isn't going to change and... I'd rather not beat myself up about it every day. Mm. And I know it sounds really silly. I love wearing makeup. It doesn't sound silly at all. But I think, why am I going to worry about it when I can just make myself look fine with my makeup on? I'm not saying I don't feel fine with it off, but I definitely know if I'm feeling a bit pink that day, it's only going to take me 10 minutes to throw something on and I'll feel great and ready to go to the pub. And it, it wouldn't, do you know something, if I'm honest, it really wouldn't bother me in front of anyone. But, I mean, I'm single at the moment, but if I was to start seeing someone or whenever I'm seeing someone, I wouldn't dream of showing them mm. my skin. That would be one thing. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I, I just wouldn't. Ever or just at the beginning? I'd say substantially into it. It would take a lot for me to be like, okay, we can get into this. And the hilarious thing is, I'm sure they could flick onto Instagram yeah, I was whenever just gonna I say. to <laughs> yeah. But, no, if I'm in the living room with you or out for dinner, I'd want my face on. Yeah. There are still quite a lot of my friends who haven't seen me without makeup on, even though wow. they, they obviously they've seen me on Instagram and everywhere else. But that's always a sign for me when I when I know somebody's kind of gone into the inner circle of friendship and it's yeah. like, oh yeah, you can come round and I won't have a panic and run around trying to get some makeup on before yeah. you come in. Because God, my poor it's the husband. Most... <laughs> Nobody sees me like a bigger dog than my husband, I must yeah. say. It's the most vulnerable <laughs> I could possibly feel though when I don't have makeup on and it's yeah. it's quite scary to show that to people. To your point about vulnerability, I think I was on, on your blog and you were writing about how when you're in the middle of a flare-up, that's, that's you at your most vulnerable and then you also go through this process of, okay, now I'm going to put this on, on social media. And how, what, does that, what does that sort of feel like for you? Because it's incredibly brave. And I know that you're doing it so that other people go, oh, that's me. I recognize myself in that. How, like, walk me through that process of when you're at that most vulnerable point and then putting it out in front of thousands of people. Um, I still feel sick, yeah. <laughs> which my husband thinks is kind of ridiculous that I'll be sitting there and my thumb will be hovering over the publish button for ages and I'll be like like doing a countdown to publishing it even though you know the the overwhelming response is usually positive and it's usually people in the same position saying 
I'm having a flare up today. This makes me feel better knowing because a lot of the time it's just it's not even people asking for advice or asking for anything like that. They they literally just want to see someone that looks like them. Yeah, because I think especially Instagram, like social media in general, but Instagram in particular, you're just I get it too. You're scrolling and you're scrolling and you're scrolling and then you know, anything that's slightly less than perfect, it, it is jarring because there is such a huge kind of pressure on people to only prevent present the pop the kind of perfect parts of their life. Curated. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But then there's also been this huge rise in like editing apps and things like that. So it's like, you know, it's not even just Kardashians, it's like, you know, Joan from accounting is there like face <laughs> tuning. Joan. Oh Joan. Yeah. It's funny because I, I consult a lot for brands and um there's a very interesting thing emerging where um, flawed and imperfect posts get higher engagement yeah. than perfect posts because it gets to the point where you're essentially reading a kind of travel brochure. You know, I was talking to somebody last night about that bloody picture on Instagram of somebody in front of the Eiffel Tower. I mean, Jesus, <laughs> like no more. And it just looks like a shot from, it looks like a slightly naff fashion shoot, like something from a catalogue, something from the next directory or something. Yeah. And you become inured to it. You just see so many of them. And so when I see, I don't know, Starmy Sunday or something, Something yeah. with her knickers on and a really good lipstick. I'm like, yes, like I'm really engaged with it because Definitely. it's a breath yeah. of fresh air. And you really relate to that person. Of course. One of the things I found really strange, because um, say in terms of me sharing pictures with and without makeup, I'd probably say I've only really been doing it the last year or two, just because it had never occurred to me that anyone would be that interested. <laughs> and I've been in beauty for many years trying to find what was my kind of what's my contribution I love beauty I love being stuck in the middle of everything what am I really bringing to the table here and I've got this really weird love for my rosacea now because as soon as I started putting pictures up the messages I get from people are unbelievable you make these best best friends and most of the time it is a woman messaging me going I cannot believe that picture you've put up that's what my skin looks like and to your point Lex we're so used to seeing absolute perfection Mm. and you know good for you if you want to do your makeup and feel fab and put a picture on but what's happened is because we're just seeing everyone's best show reel we're not actually seeing that all our mates around us and the woman up the road and you know the the model that you absolutely love and your favorite actress has all got the same red skin Mm, i really think so many of us look exactly the same yeah yeah that's why i love the pictures that you do lex with half and half yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) and you can show this is what this is what I actually look like under my makeup some days. And Wait, this is what I look like with my makeup I want to talk, talk more about those posts because Lex posted something on the weekend about people's response yes. to her pictures that I really want to talk about. So let's uh, just take a little breather and we'll be back shortly to talk to Rose Gallagher from Mixed Gems Beauty. I can't say that really quickly. I've tried twice <laughs> now and failed. And Lex Gillis from Talented Lex. Talon as in nails, just in case you're looking for her. Let's put a record on. We'll be back shortly. We've come a 
Praise you, fat boy slim, Sally and Kate Sevier still here. We are with Rose from Mixed Gems Beauty, which I have to say really slowly, <laughs> and uh, Lex from Talented Lex. Both are beauty bloggers with a particular specialism in rosacea. This month is Rosacea Awareness Month, so we've been talking about rosacea and its effects on one's uh, self-esteem, how rosacea and social media interplay. Mm. And I want to go back to that. On the weekend, Lex, you posted... Two images of your rosacea side by side. Mm -hmm. And the caption was, too much, not enough, right? And can you explain that post? Because I thought it was so interesting how we view people's skin conditions. Yeah, so um, I'm a member of quite a few different Facebook rosacea groups. There's tons of them and some of them are small and some of them are absolutely enormous beasts. Um, and I came across one that I hadn't joined before um, and so sent a, sent a request and then I was sat there for a while kind of scrolling through and came across a thread um, about me, which was bizarre enough in itself um but a girl had basically posted a photo saying if anyone doesn't know this girl talks a lot about rosacea i'd recommend following her on instagram um and then as i went down the thread somebody said um they basically said that the the pattern of the redness in my photos looked really odd and they didn't believe that my rosacea was as bad as i was making it out to be and they thought i'd photoshopped the redness to look worse than it is um and You'll then later off. on, <laughs> no, I mean, what is the advantage? Of yeah, having what done would that? be the point? Yeah. I'd have to then do it on every single photo I ever posted of myself. It's so <laughs> it's weird. Absurd. It's just such a bleak worldview, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. It's such a kind of cynical worldview. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then someone else had also said that uh, they were finding it annoying seeing my face everywhere at the moment because it's Rosacea Awareness Month and I've been doing lots of bits and pieces here and there. Um, and they said that they didn't even think that my rosacea was that bad. So why was I being the person that was being held? up as the person to talk to in Rosacea Awareness Month. Um, So within the same breath, my rosacea was too bad to be believable and also not bad enough that I should be talking about rosacea publicly. And it just... It echoes so much of stuff that I've seen across the rosacea community, which is just this competition, this bizarre competition of who has it worse and, you know, is type 1 worse than type 2 and who, you know... If, who should be the person that's held up and allowed to talk about these things? If yeah. your rosacea isn't the worst case that a doctor has ever come across, should you be talking about it? And I just find it so strange. Um, and a month of awareness, yeah. but not yeah. awareness from you. Oh, yeah, Too much yeah. awareness from this one person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and do you know what? That person that sat there making that comment, what the hell have they done to bring a positive conversation about uh, rosacea? Like, what have they contributed? And... You know, I remember actually when I was thinking this, I was thinking with your first book, Sally, I'm sure someone had said something to you like, oh, I would have done a great job of that book. (laughs) No, somebody (laughs) said, another journalist said to somebody in, in the industry, I should have written that book. Do you know what? Bloody write it then. You didn't. (laughs) You put your own before and after selfie on and you put yourself out there and be open to that criticism and then you can turn around and say something to me and even then you can get lost because who cares? Yeah. We're not... Yeah, we're we're all all meant to be telling each other how to get round it, how it's going to be fine, don't worry, you've got a date tonight, you're going to look fab, who cares that you looked a bit pink in that picture... And that's the whole point of what you're what you're both doing yeah. is to show and to 
to so that people see themselves reflected um, on on social media and in the world. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. th- I think this this argument of extremity versus kind of mild cases. So what Lex is talking about, you know, one type is better than the other. So there are four main mm. there are four main types of rosacea. Obviously, some are more severe than others. And this idea where something to be a spokesperson for something, you should have an extreme case is really damaging, I think, because, of course, every type of rosacea should have coverage, should have attention, should have some understanding and education around it. That's really important. There's no reason why a more palatable case should have more airing than any other. However, I think non-extreme cases are so important with awareness because there are loads of women who don't know they have rosacea because they don't have an extreme debilitating condition. And they just think they blush too much and that's very embarrassing and upsetting for them, but they can't make a fuss because there's nothing wrong with them. And then those women are the kind of women that are going to respond so well to the likes of having a conversation of do you know if you switched from wine yes, to vodka quite so. you might not have such a reaction or if you knew you were going somewhere and you didn't want to flush you might not want to order a curry yeah that's going to be really quite momentous yeah. for them yeah, yeah. So you can actually make real changes yeah. quite quickly in those milder cases, potentially, than and in the more extreme cases. Yeah. 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 Something that comes up quite a lot as well is people saying, oh, I'm not going to bother my doctor with it because yes. it's only yes. a bit of blushing. And it's, I'm constantly trying to tell people that if it's something that affects you in any way, that's not just rosacea, that's any kind of anything. If it affects your life every single day you should talk to your doctor about it. It doesn't have to be so bad that you don't ever want to leave the house. But if it's something that makes you upset or it's something that you need help with, then your doctor will help you with it. I I get this an awful lot at events. Uh, Women bring their teenagers or teenagers bring themselves and they have acne. They have Mm. a kind of classic Mm. congested Mm. complexion or really quite serious acne sometimes. And one of their opening statements is always, I mean, I don't want to bother the NHS with it. I don't want to bother the doctor with it. And this idea that that comes part and parcel of the teenage experience is unacceptable. Mm, It's debilitating. We know it causes depression and social isolation and even in some cases, you know, bullying and suicide Mm -hmm. and all the things that come from all those things just from having skin that potentially could be remedied quite dramatically by a medical professional and so I agree with Lex if if this thing is impacting your life negatively then it is by its very nature impacting your health right yeah 100% and things like that are so important and so valid because it affects so many other elements of your day-to-day life if you're feeling anxious if you're feeling upset in yourself you're not going to have the same relationship with the close people around you as when you're feeling great in yourself you're not going to feel confident to do the best possible job at work that day it's Mm. it has such a huge impact on everything and I think one of the things as well that I'd kind of add on to that is people feel uncomfortable causing a fuss about something physical yeah you know you wouldn't yeah. be embarrassed they feel if you broke your leg yeah. vain. and yeah. it's it's just as um necessary totally. to and just as you should feel just as entitled to feel upset and worried about something like that and it's not an act of vanity it's no. not something to be embarrassed about it's something that is absolutely valid mm. yeah and one of the things that i think you first said okay i'll go to the doctor he'll give me a cream and then it'll be fine yeah um but I think both in both of your cases, you probably did go to the doctor and maybe they did give you a cream. But it sounds to me like you've had to do so much 
learning and research yes. on your own. And really the responsibility has been on you to go, okay, yeah. well, what are my triggers? What is, what is this sort of cream do? What does this makeup do? What, what ingredient in this is irritating mm. my skin? And so the onus really is kind of put back on the patient, even if they do go to the doctor, that they have to figure it out for themselves. And like, I'll be honest, working in beauty, people have completely different approaches to rosacea. So for the longest time, I was smothering myself in oils and botanicals and really mm-hmm. rich, mm-hmm. thick treatments. And then recently someone said to me, no, no, you need to go fragrance free, mm-hmm. light mm-hmm. consistencies. Then just about two weeks ago, I went to see a dermatologist and she looked at my skin up close and she's given me two prescription creams, actually, that I'm trying for the first time, one in the morning, one at night. But her approach was literally, you're barely going to use anything on your skin. You've got this, that, the other to use, a couple of simple steps. And if I think of that versus, you know, even six months ago, I was using so many layered products. And truthfully, I'm still trying to work out which approach works best for me. I want to come back to that later as we talk about products, because this is something Mm. I feel really strongly about (laughs) at the moment. I see so many skin problems at the moment because of products. So we Mm. will get back to that. But you mentioned... Um, quick fixes like, you know, not ordering a curry, maybe switching from wine. What are the other triggers you found that cause a flare-up? So wine um, is one. Wine is definitely one. And anything Both quite, colours? Well, the red would be worse. Yeah. Oh, red is okay for me. Oh, and the really? white, yeah. Even a sip of white wine and I just go... I think sugar has a huge part yeah, to play in it. So, so white is more sugary, foods, isn't it, than red? There we go. Um, definitely spicy foods and definitely anything that's going to raise your temperature. Yeah. It sounds so simple, but if you are hotter or you're eating something hot or even a hotter meal, that's going to flare everything up. Mm. Um, I find, I love doing a bit of tan. I find that if I can just avoid doing my face, I will. Because the next day, if I've put... I always use, like, a lovely... um, Some kind of tanning drops with my usual moisturiser and try and make it as skincare-based as possible. Doesn't matter. Red as beetroot in the morning. (laughs) So the the DHA in the self-tan is causing... Flares it up for me. Okay. Yeah. Blimey, I didn't know that. Because actually, um, for the most part, I mean, I'm immune mostly to DHA, but um, it doesn't even tan me. I just remain white throughout. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but I agree generally, as somebody with melasma, which is obviously a different condition to rosacea, but still involves discoloration on the face, I do find a bit of facial self-tan when I have a really bad outbreak, evens things up yeah. to some degree. So that's unfortunate if you react to that. Well, this is the compromise, because if I'm really honest, that first day I fled at red then maybe the next day it has really helped to smooth everything out so there are some things there's a payoff there's mm. a transactional quality a trans- to it yeah and some things you have to just know i'm going to wear a bit more coverage tonight because i am having a few glasses of wine yeah yeah that's what yeah. you need to know this is, this is something i try and remind people as well because i think people it's this issue of they leave the doctor's appointment and they don't have any information and so they google and like with googling any kind of <laughs> condition it's <laughs> yeah. just the worst thing ever so you get this huge list of things saying you know if you're serious about your rosacea you'll never drink again you'll get eight hours of sleep a night you'll eat 
lettuce every yeah. day and all these things and it's just it's so it's I was told all these things as a 21 year old it's God. like oh, don't yeah. drink eat really well get loads of sleep don't be in stressful situations all these things I'm just like this don't is not be in stressful real... situations oh, sure. okay. <laughs> don't exercise yeah. don't be alive don't have any fun it's just because not I know realistic. lots of rosacea sufferers um, are triggered by exertion aren't they yes. so, so yes. physical exertion just yeah. feeling hot so having a run of course all other medical advice will tell you to exercise regularly yeah. and so everything has a transactional quality doesn't it yeah and I know that very often um the medical field is quite dismissive of anything that's to do with appearance right mm. so I can't dye my hair I'm completely allergic to hair dye hair dye will kill me and PPD in hair dye would kill me if I were to um, be exposed to it and um and when it, I first realized this several years ago as I ended up in A&E being resuscitated and oh, I was just, I said, oh, what will I do? And the doctor's just like, well, just don't dye your hair. And just kind of walked off. And of course, that's the obvious medical answer. And they are doing Oh, sure, thanks. Yeah, but I was hoping for a little bit more of a compromise. Of a compromise. And so I totally understand um, what you're saying about that transactional nature of, actually, I quite feel like getting pissed tonight. So I'm going to wear a full coverage foundation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do try and treat it kind of like I treat a hangover. It's like, what are the consequences going to be? If I eat this this block of cheese, I will look awful tomorrow. But, but do I really want the cheese? cheese. Yeah. So you yeah. have to constantly balance. And sometimes I do just think, you know, I drink a lot less than I used to because often I'll say, how much do I want that glass of wine? Actually, probably not that much. I think I can wait. Yeah. And, you know, you do, you just have to work out. And this is why finding a triggers is so important because for some people... It's it's all about your quality of life. Some people I know they can't give up marathon running, regardless of the fact it makes it. their mm. skin go crazy. I am more than happy to never <laughs> run a marathon. Like, I'm fine same. with that. Yeah, um, I, I appreciate the excuse to not do marathon running. Um, but you know, the, each person is so individual, and each person's triggers are so individual. So yeah. some things you know will be fine for me and awful for other people, and vice versa. Yeah, because you have a few resources on your website for yes. people to track that, don't you? Do you want to tell us about those? Yeah. So just this month, I launched. Um, a two digital downloads so you can download a checklist which basically um, sets out all the common triggers for rosacea and you can therefore go through and kind of say if it was a mild flare-up or a severe flare-up and you can write notes and things so a way of kind of getting people to look at their flare-ups look at their triggers and work out what's worse for them what's better for them what's okay and then I've also got a um, flare-up diary so you can go into a bit more detail and there's like a little face that you can shade in to show um, how the flare-ups appear on your face Um, so yeah I was kind of wanting to use those just to help people because they feel so overwhelmed when they're sat there and they're like I have no idea where to start Um, and so those those could be really really helpful and also I thought they could also work as well to take to your doctor and say mm-hmm. like yeah. here is what's happened this has been a week of flare-ups for me xyz because it can be so intimidating I've talked quite a lot on my blog about going to the doctor and you do feel vain and you do because you know you know the person going in before you could have had some life-threatening condition or whatever and then you do feel a bit silly going in and being like oh well, my face is a bit red but for <laughs> you if that's the thing that every day you wake up and you look in the mirror and feel miserable and you don't like you say like I didn't speak up at university for lots of my jobs my early kind of jobs when I was first going into the workplace I would never speak up in meetings because I didn't want people to look at me that impacts your life and your your career and your prospects and totally also further down the line and I always say this to people it's so important the reason I ended up doing what I do the reason I ended up um, working so much in um, the world of skin is because I um, was under NHS dermatology care throughout my childhood and I was ultimately signed off by the NHS because I knew more about my condition and 
was able better able to treat my condition than the dermatologist. And this is no disrespect whatsoever to dermatologists. I love them. I work with them every day. And also I know that they would broadly agree with me that if you have a skin condition that you've lived with for a really long time, in my case ichthyosis, in your case rosacea, you become a huge expert in your skin in a way that no professional ever can be Mm because they're not living in your skin. And so as much as you need their prescriptions and their research and their insight, and that's vitally important in moving this whole thing on, you know more about your skin that you live in than anybody can ever know. You know what triggers it. You know what it responds to. So, for example, I might say to a dermatologist, I told a dermatologist really recently on um, who was the head of R&D at a major skincare company. We were talking about ichthyosis and she was talking about hospitals she visits and doctors she talks to and so on. And I was saying, oh, well, you know, one of the best things you can do for ichthyosis is you have to shave your legs regularly. And she was like, what, what, what are you talking about? And I said, if you shave your legs regularly, you get a very even daily exfoliation as the t- cells turn over too rapidly in ichthyosis. And she was like, oh, I'll remember that. Now, she's yeah. somebody who has worked for decades in this area. Mm. Now, if you live inside a skin condition, you should trust your gut. And like Lex says, if you feel it's not responding to a treatment or it would respond better to another treatment, you cannot expect your doctor to understand that in the way that you can communicate Mm. to him or her. And you must go. You must go and you must say. Um, I'm going to put another record on. Sorry, that was Rose Gallagher quacking on about Catelyn there as we came back to uh, the studio. (laughs) Uh, We are still talking about rosacea. Just for these last few minutes, I really want to talk to you two um, talented Lex and Rose Gallagher from um, Mixed Gems Beauty, which I think we've established I can't say very easily. (laughs) Um, I want to talk to you about treatments, what you do. Um, because I think products are such a minefield. On the one hand, I think we put too much faith in them to fix things, but mm. on the other hand, I don't think we um, we use their powers enough to fix things. My issue at the moment, um, I see so much rosacea at the moment, more than ever, or what appears to be rosacea, but very often when I unpick things, I discover that the women in front of me are using, like, 15 different actives on their face every day and are using such high concentrations of retinol, of acids, uh, niacinamide, vitamin C, ferulic acid, just throw everything into the mix. And it's part of that kind of the ordinary culture where it's like, oh, I'll have a bit of that and a bit of that. It's only four quid. I'll do, you know, 15 products in one routine. And I worry about the effect it's having on people's skin because I see people's skin going crazy. And you mentioned earlier, Rose, that your dermatologist had suggested turning down the volume on products. So what does that look like for you? So for me, um, I love brands like... It's a lot of the French pharmacy brands. very much. Like (laughs) La Roche-Posay, like Aven. Bioderma. This is it. I use a cream cleanser now. I used to always be meticulous with oils and balms and anything really rich. But actually, for someone that wears quite a bit of makeup, a cream is more than enough to completely melt everything away. And it's so comforting and such a different texture. But also, and this has really, really been a horrible adjustment to make, but I have made it. I don't use flannels anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, They're... 
that even the softest flannel has an abrasive quality mm -hmm. to it and it will be fine if you just use your hands in a cream. And I was the absolute person saying, are you joking? I wear loads of makeup. What are you on about? <laughs> you can do it. Go in with a cream in your hands. Um, I couldn't agree more. I've always said if you have rosacea, that's the one condition I wouldn't put a flannel to, personally. Yeah. And I agree about creams. I'm not I'm not a big extoler of the double cleanse, personally. I think one thorough cleanse is plenty and gets everything off. And I want to leave some kind of acid mantle behind on my skin. <laughs> yes. And so for you, presumably, that not stripping away has been beneficial. The not stripping away, the real comforting touch. And then another thing that was... Um, a real kind of education piece for me was um, Dr. Dennis Gross. Mm -hmm. I first met him at the start of the year and he kind of explained the, the bacteria at play and how actually the bacteria is, you know, imbalanced in your rosacea. Yes. And that, because I said, well, I'm terrified to use acids and liquid exfoliants now that I used to love. Mm. And he said, the key is you still use them and you let them do their work, but then you neutralise yes. it afterwards and you calm everything down. You need a buffer. So this yeah. is it. He has that amazing two-step peel mm -hmm. that comes in different strengths. If I use the gentle one of those, it's definitely great in those moments where if I've really flared up and I want something to instantly calm it down and a calming impact, especially the likes of before bed, that by morning will have dramatically decreased, those peel pads are great, mm. the very, very mild ones. So I, I would I would certainly endorse your message of um, French pharmaceutical brands. Uh, you were nodding yeah. furiously yeah. too, yeah. Lexi. <laughs> Lexi. Is that the same for you? Absolutely, yeah. They're, they're the brands that I rely on. They're the ones I always go back to. So yeah, La Roche-Posay, Zivan, Vichy, Bioderma, yeah. those sorts yeah. of brands. They're just, they're just so gentle. Um, but there's all, I've tried a lot of products in my time. Um, and sometimes you get products that are gentle, but you don't actually feel that they're doing anything. They're not making things yes. worse. Yes but yes. they're not necessarily doing anything for you and I feel like those kind of French pharmacy brands actually kind of do th good things for your skin as well as not aggravating them um, but I think the, the biggest thing that's changed for me over time and learning more about my skin is that my skin changes every single day and it changes in the seasons and it's about getting to know your skin I think we're everybody kind of gets to that point where they get to the end of the day and they're stood in front of the sink and they're kind of thinking about what they need to do in the morning and they're just kind of washing their face and it becomes like second nature and you're not really thinking about what you're doing you're not thinking about how your skin feels and I speak to so many people and they just use the exact same products they've used for 20 years and they use them year round and they never change and they never stop to think like well is it doing what you want it to do is it still yeah. doing the same things as it is when you first used it um does your skin feel better in the summer? Does it feel worse in the winter? You know, all these things that you have to be constantly aware of because I think we can get quite complacent with skincare and I think it's quite important to be constantly looking at your skin and thinking, okay, is this still working? Do I need to reassess? And can we just touch on for both of you... Um what we do about makeup because I know you love it Cosmetics CC cream and I know you work with them commercially in some capacity Rose but that came to you organically didn't it because you were because obsessed and them. then they jumped on you. <laughs> you yeah you took the words out of my mouth one of the things I was going to say is um if you have rosacea I think play with the power of makeup mm. and I think that when I say I wear a full coverage every day I choose to wear a full coverage 
by way of my It's CC cream that looks dewy. So even though I've covered everything, I don't look like I've got loads of makeup on. Your skin looks amazing. This is it. And, you you know, you can feel like there's so many options out there that you can feel like you have nothing on your skin Mm. and you can feel soft and dewy but still achieve that coverage. I speak to so many women that say, I don't wear makeup and I don't want to wear makeup and the redness is a problem. And, you know, if you had nothing else on, if you don't wear lipstick, mascara, brows, a really heavy foundation would feel out of place. But just a gentle touch of a tinted moisturiser or something creamy. And another thing I would say, if you... Sometimes my flare-ups are bumpy. Mm. A really great tip that I do when my skin is bumpy versus when the texture is smooth. If I've gone into bumpy territory, I make everything cream. Cream blusher, cream highlighter, yes, yeah. cream foundation that won't cling to any bumps and it just really smooths out the and whole lump of your skin. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think hydration is key as well when you Very. have that bumpiness because there's nothing worse than when you have that bumpy, uneven texture of having it no hydration in there at all when yeah. it kind of looks flaky and a bit unhealthy. Mm. If you can add some hydration, at least you get a plumpness and a health to it. Mm. Yes. What I think for, for so long I used the highest possible coverage foundations I could find. I even used to wear like camouflage makeup and things like that. And it just, when you're already feeling hot, then putting something like, you know, pan stick kind of makeup on top of that is just going to make everything feel so much more smothered and yeah. so much mm. more hot. And also my rosacea is very... Um, is very localised to my cheeks and one side of my forehead for some reason. So the coverage that I need on those areas is not the coverage that I need elsewhere on my face. So I also used to find that I, I... I ended up looking like I was wearing a mask because I was wearing such heavy foundation all over my face. You were throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, Yeah. so now I've kind of realised that lots of light layers are better than one really heavy thick layer because then I can do one really light coverage layer all over my face and then just go in and and build up the coverage where I need it and then you end up you know still seeing freckles and still seeing moles and still seeing some flaws Mm. and so it doesn't look as as intense I always think sticks are good for that stick foundations are really good because they stay just where you want them to you don't have to spread them out everywhere and keep it in your handbag keep your stick in your handbag and if you're having a bit of a panic in the day you can throw a bit more on Mm. for me personally I've always got a couple of bits in my bag I never know how my skin's gonna be you're not gonna have that panic moment you've got it covered if something happens and you love a strong lip still as well I do I do I think like I never used to wear makeup when I was younger and I I came to makeup just out of necessity really covering my rosacea and then over time I've just fallen in love with it and Mm -hmm. I do feel like I wear a lot of very weird. I, I like grey lipstick and blue lipstick and all I that kind love of stuff. It, it looks yeah. so good on you. Yeah. Thank you. And I just it makes me smile when I see myself. Like I'll catch my reflection in something. I'll smile, and be like that. Good. Lipstick is absurd, so nice. but it's really cool. I also yeah. think as well. There's just something really powerful if you have a skin condition that has made you feel pretty bad mm. for several years of your life. Where, as you said yourself, you didn't want to talk in meetings. You didn't want people to look at you. I think there's something really powerful about wearing a bold lipstick and saying. I'm fine with you looking in my direction. I think that's a really nice message, kind of taking up your space. It does help because then I'll be sat on the tube and I'll be like, oh, that person's looking at me. Maybe I've rubbed my face and my foundation's come off and they can see my rosation. Then it's like, oh, no, it's because I'm wearing 
grey lipstick. It's because they look fucking amazing. That's why they're looking at me. Do you know what? You just said something there that I think is so important and it's the simplest thing. I never touch my face. Yes. A friend of mine is very red. She's forever touching her face. She's wiped, I'm not joking you, all of her makeup off by about 11 o'clock in the morning. Mm. If you can make a conscious effort, yeah. try not to touch I your face. You have to train yourself. <laughs> no, you don't want to be putting anything grubby on there yeah. and also you want to put your makeup on and it's still be on by the time you Completely. get home. And yeah. the heat of my hands, I find when I'm having a flare-up, I'm always tempted to keep touching my face to be like, yeah. I'm so yes. warm, I'm so warm. But then it's yeah. like you're making yourself more warm by touching yourself constantly. And are you somebody, or either of you, somebody who um, believes in facial mist to calm things down or are you just wanting to leave things alone? I love a facial mist. The event one is Just I've the got a mini one yeah, in yeah. my handbag and also I've got one in the fridge I've got one by the side of my bed I just think especially the heat and also the itching I find they really help the soothing Definitely. of the itching and the temperature element yeah. so I love a mist as well um, my favourite in the fridge one is the Pestle and Mortar Balance Mist it is just so pure and also I love a mist in general for if you've been in your heels all day down the back of the neck I could literally mist until the cows came home <laughs> I can mist until the cows come home. And that is what we've taken hey from today. <laughs> well, we've all taken lots from today. I think I hope any rosacea sufferers listening um, have found um, practical advice or comfort in your words. But both of you are online. Can you tell anybody listening where they can find you? Yep. So uh, I'm talented Lex, which was, you know... Don't choose a pun for your blog name if you were. <laughs> so it's talon as in like talons because I've got long nails, but just in hindsight, I should not have chosen that name. So that's talented Lex and that's what I'm called on everything on the internet. Well, I also chose an obscure name. <laughs> so mine is Mixed Gems Beauty, which I'm inclined to keep now because it was just, you know, a little silly thing in my room at uni. And now I'm a bit like, Jesus, I never thought I'd be on the radio as Mixed Gems Beauty. So, can, yeah, that's the name. You can see if Cow Mist is available. <laughs> <laughs> and you are um, both everywhere under the same name, Instagram, Twitter and so on, and yep. blogging. And so do go and find them. They're an amazing wealth of resources. Um, about of information and advice about rosacea. We're going to put a record on. When we come back, uh, we are going to swap out with Catelyn Moran and Jojo Moyes and we are going to talk all things Fleabag. Back in a sec. I was minding my business Lifting some land off the roof of the hole in a church It was worthwhile living a laughable life Setting my eyes on the distant side of the that's the Rosacea Girls sending their love. That was brilliant. That was so enlightening. We are now just on to Fleabag. Honk. Um, the um, Rosacea Girls, uh, Lex and Rose, have been swapped out with, with some women my age. <laughs> with uh, Jojo Moyes and Catelyn Moran. Those two had no wrinkles on them at all. No, they're very youthful and bouncy. And they matched as well. Yes. Can we not take some samples of their blood or some kind of enzymes <laughs> or cells and inject them into our own faces? We got some, actually. Yeah. I just like everybody good. here no, looks very glowy. I don't think that we're doing too bad. Oh, yeah, no, 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 we're doing great. But I could always eat, you know, a younger person's vibes and energy at any point. I wondered what you were going to say there. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the blood facial okay. It's off yes. to a good start. <laughs> so this week, Fleabag, the last ever, as we now know it to be, <laughs> Fleabag aired. So it was part 12 
over two series and we have discovered, I think we discovered just before the last episode aired from some of the cast members that it was never going to come back. And in fact, when you watched it, it became apparent that it couldn't come back. Mm. It was such a kind of complete um, arc. We're going to talk about it lots, lots, lots in detail, but let's just have your first initial reactions. Jojo Moyes, what did you think? I was very emotional. I mean, it, it was very emotional on many levels. I think Catelyn and I had several discussions after episode four mm. of oh, the yeah. mm, mm. variety. Um, but then at the end, I just thought it was beautiful and I loved the romance between the two sisters and yes. the resolution between her and her father and the fact that actually she kind of got what she needed from the priest mm. in a way. Um, yeah. Yes, in many respects. Yeah. I like how the words episode four became a byword for dirty, <laughs> filthy, lubricious women all over the country just going... The con- your yeah, so, uh, I think Catelyn and Jojo specifically are talking about the confession booth, yes? Neil. Yes. Neil. Who yes. knew? I know, Neil. Not since Madonna has religion had such potent sexual imagery. I know. Well, I, we I, started today with Like a Prayer for that reason. All the songs today yeah. have been goddy. Goddy. Um, in honour of Fleabag. Sexy goddy. Yeah, yeah but there was... The, well, I'm not sure Vicar in a tutu really qualifies as sexy goddy, which Ooh. is what we had Ooh, on no. just now. Yeah. But... I would have killed it. There was, <laughs> but there was this scene in episode four where Fleabag went to visit the priest. By the way, I should just say, and I did warn at the top of the show, th- there are so many spoilers it's just one coming big up. Spoiler, so please yeah. don't whinge at me. Please don't moan on Twitter that there are spoilers. It. Frankly, a major cultural event happened two days ago. You've had 48 hours to catch up or yeah. stay off social media. It's like moaning about spoilers after the royal wedding. People, yeah. sort of, We're talking about how <laughs> Harry and Meghan did to get married. Sh- and no, 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 don't tell me what happened. Yeah, I, I, I'm I, saving it for the weekend. Yeah, no, exactly. do it now. Your, your, your schedule and your priorities are not my concerns. There will be spoilers. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Sally Stern. Whoa. Not. So, th- so there was a scene in the confession booth where um, Fleabag went to visit the priest at church. He suggested she try a confessional. She went in and he ultimately told her to kneel. Yes. Although I liked the confusion about that because it was like, because it seemed like he was saying, you know, on your knees, I will now in some way sexually relieve you and bring you some kind of revolution or a revolution, a revelation or something. But then there was a whole group of people on Twitter who were going, no, what if, because she's only referred to him as father throughout and he has no name in the credits, he's just known as the priest, that instead of saying kneel on your knees, what he's saying is, kneel, my name is Neil. That, yeah. that is my real name. That is how you must now refer to me from now on. <laughs> Ooh. Many people really believe that. That was that was a big forty-eight hour cycle of people going. It's not very sexy. Wait, they believe though, I don't that would buy have been funny that though. I would have quite I liked that. that. I would have liked it if she'd set it up so you think it's like Neil in a sexy way, and then the cold open on the next episode, See, episode five, is my name's Neil. And yeah. I'm just now getting an anti-lady boner off that. That's not good. <laughs> oh, actually, up. my name's Neil. This whole this is Neil. Yeah. Yeah. Just Neil. And no. so, so that set off a series of events so where, the in our where their having sex was inevitable. And in fact, I think. That inevitability was discussed, wasn't it? In in episode five, where mm. she said, "We're going to we're have, sex. have sex." Oh, he said, no, "We're he going to have it. sex, yeah. aren't we?" Yeah. And she says, "Yes." Mm-hmm. And at that point, the train is unstoppable. And Jojo, you were saying earlier about that that feeling when you know that something cannot end well. I think that's what so many women responded to: the idea that you're you know that this is trouble. You know you're going to get yourself into all sorts of emotional baggage and trouble and pain and you push at the door anyway it's like she couldn't stop herself no and she it's not that she was 
passive in the whole thing between them. She no, was the she one had quite a lot to answer door. for. Yeah. yeah, and she she kept pushing his buttons. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. she did. She was a little caller, you know. Yes. <laughs> and so, what do you feel ultimately happened between them? Because there, you know, there are theories abound, and I do think I think we probably all agree it was the correct ending. They weren't meant to be together, mm-hmm. but but. How did that contribute to her overall journey? I felt that was very important, her not ending up with the emotionally unavailable man. Yeah, well, I mean, it had been very clearly telegraphed, I think, that he was trouble. And you were like, no, you yeah. could do better than that, Fleabag. Yeah. Although I do wish you had a proper name because it feels slightly yeah, disrespectful feel to call you Fleabag so. now after Fleabag. 12 episodes. Like, kind of. Um, so, yeah, so I was relieved that she wasn't buying herself a massive headache for the next couple of years because otherwise there would have been three series of their, their appalling marriage and her battles with the church. Although she would have made an amazing <laughs> priest's wife. I'd if still anybody watch could, it. If anybody could revolutionise the Catholic Church, <laughs> that would have been an amazing spin-off series. Yeah. Um, but what I love about it is, it's funny because so many women have been talking about how much they love it and I've seen several men going, oh, I've seen the women eulogising about it, but, you know, and it's good, but, you know, I don't quite get yeah. why women are so Calm impassioned down. about it. Yeah, yeah. just yeah. like, oh, I don't quite get it. It's not for and you. Yes. That's exactly yes. it. It's not for you. Not for you. And it's so amazing it's to see It's the female something. gaze. Yes. The yes. whole thing we is don't for the female gaze. Also, yeah. every other fucking thing is for yeah. you. Yes. Yes. You have Give everything else. Yes. Yes. Just let us have the hot yeah. priest. Go, <laughs> go watch Max of the Day. It's nine yes. hours long. <laughs> I've just got half an hour of this priest. Six times and then he's gone. Just let me have it. But the way that the sex was done in that, like kind of like, you know, just, just really understanding what women find sexy. Like for the first two episodes, all she's doing is, is just loving the back of his neck and his arm. Oh, yes. And like yeah. when men do something about sexy men, they would have showed a guy with like a six pack who would no. have been like chopping a tree with one hand and holding a kitten in the other. If, a, if that was a male writer, that's what that character would have been. You know, helping the poor. And instead, it's just like, no, he's a boozy priest with really great arms. Yes, I'm in on that. I think really that was one, black of, demonic eyes. one yes. of yes. one of my very favourite moments of the entire series. I mean, episode one was just like opera, oh, wasn't it? Oh, it was wow. extraordinary. It was just so beautifully crafted. But one of my favourite moments of the series was the end of that episode because it was a moment that I'm sure we can all relate to with our girlfriends when they're in the mm, cab the on cab. the way to the hospital. <laughs> yes. And um, she goes, that priest is fit, so fit. Yes. And they're, when they're yes. in the back yeah. and the sisters are going back and forth. And I think actually their relationship, as Jojo says, was the really beautiful the relationship between the two sisters was the really redemptive love story, wasn't yeah. it? That made me it. quite teary at yeah. the end because she understood what Claire needed and yeah. she kept gently pushing her towards it but understood her sister well enough to know that it slightly had to come from her. Yeah. But she helped facilitate it and it was... There was that love and the, the bit where she was standing up for her against that awful... Was it Martin? Yes, yeah. the beardy, yeah. the beardy, the comically beardy. awful yes. husband. speech was so brilliant. It was so, yes. oh, it was so, so brilliant. I'm not bad, I just have a bad personality. <laughs> but that's so generous as a writer for Phoebe Waller-Bridge to write that because you could have so easily just made the payoff for that character, who is a dick, yes. just that he continues to be a dick. Yes. But that speech where he goes, no, you know, I know, I'm My not a bad guy. My son is creepy. Have, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I but just have a bad personality. But as soon as I cry for help. <laughs> Which it is. It always is. But like, just going back to the sex, because I can never talk to much about sex. Mm. The other thing that was amazing about about the sex and the hotness of Fleabag is that it was the breathing. She really understood that whole thing of like people holding their breath. That mm-hmm. so much of it is just staring at each mm-hmm. other and your breath catching in your throat, or kind of like mm-hmm. you're just sighing as you turn away. I'm quite hot now. And- yeah, <laughs> the room is quite hot <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so and then- right. mm. It is a hot room, but it's getting hotter. Yeah, just staring <laughs> and sighing. It's that crackle, isn't it? That, mm. You yes. know, she gets that crackle, and there's. Actually, I think there are quite a few um, parallels between 
I think I know Jojo has uh, read Normal People. Mm-hmm. There's that's obviously a very female gaze mm. sort of a book, and again, there's that tangible crackle when you read it, isn't there? Where you think all that anyone has to do is brush past someone and it's going to go off. But she has the confidence to let those spaces talk, which uh, you know that thing where Andrew Scott says we're going to sleep yeah. together, aren't we? Um, in a lesser writer's hands, he would have just been agonised. He would have said something. It was the kind of complete capitulation of me, of him, and then of me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. And Jojo then, Moyes is in no way yes. personally invested yeah. in this. Plot. Very, very hot now. Um, but then I think she doesn't even say yes, does she? She just, she, she just nods. Yeah. Yeah. He, that that's just allowed to breathe, and, and his, so we do yeah. the work, and it's just it's. And his speech is constantly interrupted by the lawyer. Mm, (laughs) And it just keeps happening because you would expect in any other show he would come in do the speech and then they you know be fucking in like three seconds but then the fact that there's the banging at the door and then he keeps trying and she keeps ignoring it then she goes she talks yeah it's quite stressful yeah it works so well so do we think that there are lots of theories about priest on the internet Mm. some people think he was there to redeem her that he was doing god's work of showing her (laughs) yeah that he he was for all of us yes he was he was leading he was leading her towards redemption um Mm. some people think that he he was just a a bad man who happened to wear a priest's frock some people think that he was as messed up as she was yeah someone said that his thing um it'll pass suggested that he'd done it before i didn't read that no i didn't at all i thought he was just trying to sort of that's a wrong I agree with you, yeah. Very anodyne way. Do you Um, think he's a bad man, Catelyn? No, he's clearly very troubled. Uh, yes. All that stuff, you know, just the very brief brushstrokes of his uh, of his past. Like, you know, the first time we see him, he's he's supposed to be organising a wedding, but he's very drunk yes. and talking about how his brother's a paedophile. <laughs> like, kind of like, clearly some backstory there. is a there. drinking problem there, I think. Yeah. That, yes. that became apparent, didn't it, as yeah. it went on? No, no, clearly. I, I, the fox was the one that confused me. Cause I'm like, still you know, confused. In, in animist things, like that, because kind of like yes. the fox, that's what like that animal symbolize? spirit. Like, yeah. what's that? He's being pursued by his animal side. Like, the fox is always after him and so when the fox quite just a grubby follows him side as well i mean a grubby yeah dirty... well foxes like trash. i found that fox quite attractive i'll be honest by that point <laughs> that was quite a fit fox though. yeah it wasn't been so much urban fox. Yeah, i mean if i'd been here at that bus stop and i'd just been dumped by the priest i'd be like well i'm second best here i go with the fox and you could have just gotten yeah. that bus with the fox in we'll conclusion just that for a minute <laughs> And so what do we think his role was in the fourth wall? And so for him, when Ooh, Fleabag talks it. to the fourth wall, yeah. he identifies that as an absence. He, he sees thinks, her. He it's sees the her. He sees that she's absent. Yes. Yes. He understands who she is. And so that was a very moving mm. moment, I think, when he, he caught her. He caught her looking at the fourth wall where nobody ever in the history of the series had ever, including her sister, her father, yeah. Yeah. nobody had ever seen her talking to the fourth wall. And he identified that. And as Jojo says, he saw her. But what did that mean at the end when she shrugged off the fourth wall? Do we have a sense of who she was talking to? Was it Boo? Was her mother? Hands up. Was... I think it was her mum. I think it was her mum. And also I have evidences for this, like I'm some Ooh, kind of TV detective. Okay. Because, okay. So in episode five, where she's saying goodbye to her sister, Claire, and then Claire is going out with a man called Claire. So yeah, she says goodbye, Claire, Claire, Claire. And then she turns to the camera to us and says, Claire. Now, who might be called Claire mom? in her life? Yeah. Her mum. Because if her mum was called Claire, she would have named her daughter Claire also. Because otherwise it's a bit weird that she would turn to us and call us Claire. 
if you look at all these theories about... I wonder about that. That's yeah. a good theory. Yeah. That is a good theory. That's, that's a very theory. Because yes. there's also when she's in therapy with Fiona Shaw, who's like the yes. best therapist Fiona ever. Fiona Shaw was amazing. Oh, she was my therapist. Yes. Um, and then she says, oh, do you have any friends? Do you have anyone to talk to? And she goes, well, yeah, I talk to them all the time. And then looks at the camera. Yes. But there's this gap in the last episode, I noticed like some sort of TV detective <laughs> where she is, the last time she looks at the camera is when she's in the attic with her dad and he says, oh, you love more than all of us. Yes. You find it more painful. And she goes, no, I don't. Looks yeah. at the camera. She doesn't look at the camera again until she is sitting on the bus stop after he's left with the statue. Yes. And I felt like through that whole scene, that was her being in her head in the moment, realizing, oh, no, this isn't, this isn't the thing. This he's not, work. this isn't supposed to work. And I need to be within myself now is what it kind of felt like to me. And so at the end when she lost the priest but clearly understood that it was kind of inevitable and she shrugs off the fourth wall, what do we think has happened to her there? What What is her resolution? Because I feel like pretty much everything in series one was resolved in series two. Well, yes. the other amazing thing about that is I can't think of another example in TV or movies or in books where the dead mother is not a saintly figure and their death mm. has broken them because it's like, oh, she was, you know, she was so beautiful and she was so kind yeah. and like the orphans and all this kind of stuff. Instead, that mother is set up very early on as being, you know, a maverick spirit. She's anarchic. She's really funny. That's the thing. Well, that she's she the most like Fleabag, isn't yes. she? Yes. Fleabag's yeah. the most yeah. like her, yeah. I should yeah. say. But yeah. I can't think of another funny, outrageous, anarchic mother. And even though she's dead, like her presence is really huge in that that speech where the dad's talking about kind of like the best of you sort of like the bits of you that no, are the best of you are, are hers. Hers. yes yeah. it's oh. hers but there's so many really strong women I mean can we just talk about Kristen Scott Thomas's oh uh, soliloquy because oh how whole, powerful was mm. that it would have been so route one and obvious to have her get off with Kristen yes. Scott yes. Thomas that would have been so the obvious modern drama thing to do mm -hmm. and the fact that Kristen Scott Thomas says can't be asked I'm going to yes. go and have a cocktail <laughs> in my room I just thought yes that she didn't have time to yeah. be with She's someone like, no, who was experimenting no. at being a lesbian with a yeah, older yeah. woman. She just wanted to go and have a martini yeah. well, in her also, bedroom. Well, also, how does Phoebe Waller-Bridge at 33 know how you feel as you get older about sex as well? Know. Like, that's so clever, just that you do get to a certain point and you're like, you know what, it's just not worth washing the sheets. I've got a box set. <laughs> like, kind of like, you know, I'm not anti-sex now, but it has to be a very special occasion. I'm not going to teach you how to be a lesbian flea bag, sorry. Like, kind of, it was just well, it was, it was that weariness of, I'm not going to teach you how to be a lesbian, yes, wasn't yeah. it? It's like, yeah. God bless you, I think you're great but I can't actually be asked to be yeah. your walk on yeah. the wild side. I think that's what she actually meant by you're not my type as in yeah. I can't you're too young yes. for this. Maybe the really to. lovely thing is that both the people who ultimately turned her down sexually the priest and Kristen Stock did it nicely and with an acknowledgement that they did like her and that it, it, it wasn't a kind of outright rejection at the end I think she finds it easier to go away from him because he's clearly sad about it as well he's not yeah you know he's yeah. not walking off whistling and you know no he had that very beautiful skin. tear on his yeah. face and he holds her hand for a minute and and you get the feeling that he would say, you know, in other circumstances, yes. this would definitely be a thing. Um, yeah. But both of them are just like, you're great, but this is not where my head is right yeah. now. And throughout it all, she has sex to kind of fix things, yes. doesn't she? And then ultimately, she wasn't having sex with people in order to fix herself. And so she stopped using sex in this very... As a barrier, almost. Mm -hmm. Dysfunctional, yeah. messed up But way. not to play women off, off women, but again, to see the way that that female character is treated uh, by Phoebe Waller-Bridge in, in the writing and the playing of it. Like, normally if you were doing a show about a fucked up girl, you would be torturing that character yeah. a lot. 100%. Mm -hmm. So when she yeah. sleeps with the wrong people, she'd be agonised afterwards. Yeah. She'd go self-harm. Self 
Yeah. She'd go and be bummed over some bins she'd by get someone an abortion. she hated. She'd get she'd an get abortion. An STD, yeah. yeah, there'd be a moment where she was thinking about killing herself and then a dog came and rescued her or something. If you compare <laughs> it with something like Trainwreck by Amy Schumer, where kind of like she's yeah. absolutely tortured and at the end of it yeah. she has to give up all the drink and, and she can only do that because she's got all there. the drink. Sorry. What do you yeah. mean the two bottles of wine in her and apartment? Yeah. So she then gives to a tramp. Like, thanks for your pitiful fucking booze cabinet. Yeah, that's all you got, Trainwreck. Whereas Fleabag, like, kind of like she's never tortured. All she's not going to dress up as a cheerleader to no. satisfy no. her man, is Absolutely. she? No. And you don't get a sense, I don't think, you didn't get a sense at the end that Fleabag was a changed woman. She was going to change some behaviours that were making her mm. unhappy. She was still going to be that yeah. maverick. She yeah. was still very much her mother's daughter. Well, she was still a, a thief. Oh, that a thief. moment when you realise yes. she's stolen back the little yes. figurine. Yeah. She had to. Yes. And she had to. And the symbolism of that, so that statue is based yeah. on her mother, yeah. Olivia yeah. Coleman tells us. And of course, it's, it's a statue of her tits and her mother died of breast cancer. Yeah. So it's just oh, the final yes. twist of the knife from the stepmother. And when like, Olivia Coleman, who I have person. to say that has got to be the most delicious performance mm. I've seen in you anything. You just feel that she loved every minute oh, of like it, Like she's got you? something yeah. tasty in her mouth yes. when mm. she's talking. She's so amazing in it. I think it's my Olivia, favourite Olivia Coleman performance ever. Um, but also it, the way she smiles through every bar. She's yes. so yes. lovely. That British she's middle so class smiling. He's, he's my friend. A she's a surrogate. Yes. yes. This is my interesting friend. She's a lesbian. Yeah. And you know, just like that's the only thing. She's yeah. so ghastly. And when and when she tells Fleabag oh, that oh, it's God. interesting actually that you stole that yes. piece because it's based on your mother. It's such a gut <gasps> punch, oh, isn't it? And that so shot horrible. again of Phoebe Waller-Bridge, just kind of like just that her Absorbing face at that point. It. It's sort of like that's the only time you've really seen her rattled in that entire series. Like that is such a horrific moment. But again, she doesn't overwrite it there's no big shouting scene mm. and again so much of it's not overwritten the sparsity and the brilliance of the mm. way they balance that script like the bit where she realises that uh, that the bit where uh, she realises that Andrew Scott is not going to go with her and she, where she just goes it's not me it's God it's God isn't it mm. that's yeah. it Yeah. anyone else would have made a big speech Horse you'd be speech. doing all the crying you'd be doing all the acting all the face acting at yeah. that point and she just goes <laughs> it's God isn't it that's it that's and the way that's... they sit together in the bus shelter mm. it's just, and he's just rubbing yeah. her fingernails just kind of like the very tips of her fingers because that's the bit that you touch when you love someone and he <laughs> does love her i do believe that he yes loves he, does. he does love her but he is clearly utterly incapable um well, of being fuck engaged. Up his whole life but that's what it, it would said. screw up his whole life but also i think emotionally he's not capable no. because what makes somebody like that become a priest frankly? but i think it's you about know? self-preservation for him he's acknowledged 100%. earlier on in the series that he had seriously messed up his life and that this is his way of kind of trying to get he said stability is important it's a to him sort at of some hiding point. place yeah. isn't it exactly that church. and he's got his big frocks and he's just sort of hiding in it well in the big speech that's kind of is to her but he's also supposed to be the wedding speech where he's talking about how he sees love and he's talking about love as being terrifying yeah. and yes. scary and it wounding you and all this kind of stuff yeah. and it's like and that's the nuttiest he sounds in the yes. whole thing well that's yeah. what she like said I think there's something wrong with your priest yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's he really fucking is <laughs> but that's not how she sees love she does yeah. see it as a very straightforward thing so I mean if you flash forward to them in like three years time if they got together oh, it'd be yeah. terrible. Horrible. terrible they wouldn't even last that no, long. no. it would be yeah, awful I'm glad I, they're not together yes. I, I felt and admittedly I'm biased because I do like a stable man in a cardigan mm. I felt <laughs> don't we all I felt that there was perhaps a little hint dropped with the um, bank manager who came and minded the cafe for her while she fled and to her sister oh. earlier on in the series. And I don't mean particularly literally him, but I mean there was this sort of acknowledgement that look at this nice man, he's asked for nothing in return, mm. they exist, he's come, he's opened your cafe for you, he's acknowledged that you need to tend to your sister's appalling haircut. There will be others I, like I him. I loved yes. the hair is everything. Oh, oh my yeah. God, hair is everything. Yes. But, but there was this nod to this very stable, decent man who was asked 
asking for nothing in return and actually was happy to just wander off in a penny. And I felt that he's probably going to come back and forth into her life and even if yeah. not literally a, a romantic partner... He's there the was fairy something bank hopeful manager. about him, hmm. I think. Yeah. I am listening hmm. to the point you're making, but I'm also thinking, thinking about how about... I found out where that cafe was and I took 20 selfies oh, of me you? outside it. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's near Parliament Hill Fields. Okay. It's great. If anybody wants to go and vigil there, it's of a cafe course. called Bold. And I took 20 pictures of me outside it and it feels like the most significant thing I've done for about two years. <laughs> Um, I could tell that you wanted to talk about hair is everything because I know yes. you do feel hair is everything. And that speech, I mean, oh. talk about the female gaze, what Jojo was saying. I mean, yeah. really, it was just written for all the women I know yeah. and none of the men. I'm yeah. sure men were like, what? Oh, and it was like someone... Because, again, when you look at like the way that script pivots through things, there'll be something incredibly dark and something incredibly serious and then something incredibly clever, like Kristen Scott Thomas's mm. women have, carry internalised pain in them at all times. That's how we're designed. And then you'll have something like the scene in The Hairdressers, which was like something out of French and Saunders, mm. just kind of like her coming in, just shouting about yeah. the hair, will never come here again, and then sort of like... Realising like, it was exactly, okay, exactly the hair what she, she does. exactly what I was asking for. Yes. Yes. And, yes. Next and then just ending it with, see you next week, Anthony, see you next week, see you next week, Can we also just... Uh, was it James the lawyer? The terrible lawyer? The sexy. Yeah, there might be a massage. The yeah. nine orgasm <laughs> then guy. Says, yes. yeah. yeah, but who says, I'm going to go and take a shit and then just says, or oh, should we shag? <laughs> I was like, yeah. and in and my head. we all not said that? Yeah. It was just, yeah. no. No, backed no. up sex. Yes. No, that's horrible. That's really risky. That, I couldn't <laughs> think straight yeah, for about what? five yeah. minutes. No. It's like nobody wants to be near that end no, now. Not for a long time. At the very least, even if he doesn't follow through, there's going to be excited little farts as he's pumping away. <laughs> just every so yeah. often. It's a bad, bad Again, scene. we've all been there. Yes. And he was a terrific character, that one, because, yes. again, you didn't even hate him. No, no, no. I sort of found him quite endearing towards the end because yeah. he redeems himself by being amazing in bed, doesn't yes. he? Yeah. And actually, mm. when she says, you gave me nine orgasms or whatever, he's very cheerful with that and he's happy to leave. I just have to share up. a story, not mine, mm-hmm. but oh, a friend told mm. me this yeah. story that I have never been able to get out of my head where she went away with a man to a, a small hotel in Paris. And, you know, the rooms in Paris are always mm. tiny mm-hmm. and it had a little bathroom and woke up in the morning and he was up for it. And then he said, hold on, I just have to go to the bathroom. Went into the bathroom there's no insulation. No. Uh, no. She heard no. an awful lot of things that are not romantic things I'm to hear. I'm against it. I'm really and against then it. She didn't hear the sound of the taps running. No. And he came out. No. Frisky. No. And I said, So did you ask him to wash his hands? She went, No. And I was oh. like, I would have left. Oh, no. And yeah, so. Also, why wasn't he running the taps to conceal the sound? Yeah. 101, take a 101. Shower. Take a shower. Yeah. If you're the kind of man who doesn't wash your hands, you're also the kind of man who doesn't care if the person outside thinks that you've oh, washed your hands. That's very, God. very upsetting. I'm sorry, have I ruined your No, hands? Edward Poe. I've hands. never been able to oh. think of it. It's, it's slightly ruined Paris for me, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> We'll never have Paris. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just a bad vibe. Or at least if I go, I'm going to go to somewhere that has a really big bathroom a long, long yeah, way yeah. away. Oh, I, could go, I could go all yeah. day on, hos- on hotel rooms blatantly designed by men. Hotel rooms mm. with like a tiny partition of glass. Oh, yes. I shared a story about uh, my, my trip to Lisbon last October. I think you and I might have discussed this because I'm obsessed family, with it. Two teenage boys and my husband all got seafood poisoning <gasps> in two rooms. <gasps> With glass bathrooms oh. in the very posh hotel. I think me and my 
my husband spoke to each other for a week after we got <laughs> home. It, it was. I'm so imagining a scene like in uh, the Sorcerer's Apprentice, like Fantasia, and there's just buckets and buckets of effluent. It was, a, it was just kind of me just screaming, "Get out! <laughs> Get out now!" <laughs> it was a happy trip. Yes. Never going to Lisbon but again. But as then. utterly <laughs> grotesque and but disgusting. Lisbon, Lisbon, Lisbon. Paris, yeah. Any other major cities you want me to spoil? This is turning yeah. into the worst yeah. remake of pop music again. by Sorry, M ever. We should get back to hot it's it's always Sorry. it's always best to holiday in the UK. I find oh, absolutely. Yes, I so. On the whole, it's safer absolutely. with men that wash their hands. Yes, yes. preferably. It's just basic. Yes, it's but just as basic. as dis, as disgusting to get back to you as disgusting <laughs> and grotesque as that lawyer was yes. and he really truly was you know but he was really a villain and and in the end the dad he was still a shit dad he was still yeah. useless when he said well, do i have to have an emotional conversation with you and they were like no no, no you don't everybody emerged from it basically trying their best they were basically mm. sort of muddling through there were no there, there were no kind of brush broad brush strokes. i think because the dad kind of acknowledged that he knew it he was, was all shit. wrong yeah. and it was shit it and was shit. The, the wife was going to be terrible and that made it easier for her to love him again, mm -hmm. I think, because it wasn't all being kind of swept away. It was... And also he was seeking for Fleabag to um, give him leave of absence from the wedding, mm. but even that was incredibly cowardly. It yes. was just a sort of, oh, can you do something because I'm finding this a little bit difficult because I'm, I'm emotionally crippled. But didn't you think it was interesting in the flashback scene to before Olivia Colman turned up, how articulate he was mm. compared to his mm -hmm. complete... That's so interesting. ...almost dementia-like inarticulacy later on well, in the episode. Well, I presumed that that's that was... That's yeah. ...that he was in the early stages of dementia because, that well, that scene where Olivia Colman goes, well, let's face it, and, you know, in a couple of years' time you'll want me to be looking after him rather yeah, than she you guys. Like I did. She did. That seems, but I like how that's none of it was made, obviously. I mean, not again to wang on about the craft, yeah. you know, so much, but but just the way that those, those scripts were structured, the fact that there's no proper antagonist there's no real baddie. No. Everybody's their own bad. Everybody's They're complex. They're all messed even up. The, even the crew. Pretty bad. But, Come on. No, but, but she's about to take on a man who's got dementia. Like and a very nice so house in North London. Yeah, but still, <laughs> I, you know what? I mean, it's well, she's a famed artist. Yes. I don't know. She was just so... They, I, I could have forgiven her all that if she hadn't made the horrible crack about the figurine at the end. Yes, that I was, just it was that cruel. It was so gratuitously cruel. It was cruel. Yeah. She's so awful. She's so awful. Maybe those of us. <laughs> okay, who there was one bad thing. Yes. So <laughs> but I think that's part of the the whole thing is that everyone is mixed, and everyone, yeah. even even her, you can kind of go, mm, maybe I can kind of like throw you a line here, and maybe not. But I think when you were talking about the the fourth wall going away at the end, I think really if you think about the purpose of that and the things that she would say versus what she would actually say to the other characters. Mm -hmm. She, I mean, she's a very brave character, but she doesn't actually say what she thinks or do what she means all the time. And so the integration, I think, of, okay, I'm not going to just say what I think to this person that isn't really there anymore and actually integrate that fully into my personality. For me, that was kind of like the, oh, okay, now you're a whole per You don't need us anymore because you're going to say those things. You're going to join the people everything Or up. think about it yeah, and yeah. say it to yourself and then speak. 
Also, don't you get the sense that, again, which is just an arc that you don't sense in most female protagonists and things, that she'll become more outrageous as she gets older? Yes. Like, kind of, if we were to come back to her in 10 years' time, that she'd be clearly one of those British yeah, eccentrics. She's not be better. Yeah, she'd be sort of <laughs> Mitford esque, yeah, kind of absolutely. with a stick and 50 think, spaniels just kind of I like think driving that's around. That's true. And that's what I liked about it, really. You didn't come out of it thinking, okay, she's fixed. Yes. yes. Yeah. She's, no, she's not fixed. And she's obviously going to continue to be messy and eccentric and, and loony and, and strange. But I think she'll be happier. Yes. And the thing about her best friend was never really resolved. That wasn't tied up in a, yeah. a neat knot. It, yeah. She flashed back in a couple of episodes and you felt like this was a wound that probably wouldn't close. Yeah, yeah. But and I, I, but I felt yes. like there was, there was more of a... Although she's still a messy and strange, I don't feel she's as destructive. Yes. No. And I yeah. think that was the redemptive quality of it, that she ceased to be so destructive with her own happiness, with other people's happiness. And interesting, I expected her to destroy the priest. Yeah. I thought that he was going to be... Right. I thought something yeah. terrible could happen in Same. the last episode. He'd kill himself yeah. or just something that... really awful would happen and that And that the would cycle be would her, continue. Yeah, spreading destruction wherever she went. And actually it was so nice that it was subtler than that and, and it didn't happen. Neither of them destroyed each other, really. I love yeah. that her yeah. guiding principle isn't about darkness or even really truth or even particularly about sort of laughter and stuff. I'm minded of the acceptance speech that Phoebe Waller-Bridge gave at the BAFTAs when she won everything three years ago. And she just went on stage dressed in this beautiful bias cult silk dress and she went, my mother always told me that you could get away with anything in life so long as you were and she paused at this point and you're like is she going to say truthful or mm. well, you know, beautiful or whatever and she went as long as you were absolutely outrageous yeah. and then she just took her award and walked off the stage and I was like I've That's never it. seen a woman say that yeah. that is giving me joy so yeah. it's, just, it's just about I've not seen anybody since Rick Mail who's enjoyed having a face more than her like kind of her facial expression she has about yeah, 50 more facial muscles no she's just enjoying Although, having, she's juggling I all did. these expressions Loves the funeral scene oh where it was just widely acknowledged that she, <laughs> she looked, looked too great. Good. Yes. She looked amazing. <laughs> Grief really yeah. suits you again, and it's just such the, a the horror thing, and the embarrassment, yeah. inappropriate in that, yeah. beauty. Yes. My hair just keeps falling in this really chic way. Yeah. <laughs> it was just so funny. But again, it was so a plot funny. that no man would ever have thought of. No. Just kind of the horror of being inappropriately beautiful no, at, at a sombre occasion. Exactly. Or come dressed as like you know a Playboy bunny by accident. But no, instead it was just she was beautiful. What, uh, what I've also really, really loved about this series is I think it's the first time outside of, say, a popcorn drama like The Bodyguard or Line of Duty, which I love, both of which I love, mm. but it's a slightly different thing. It's the first time in a really long time I feel as though the country has... Mm. Uh, there has been a real kind of appointment to view, huge dialogue going on online and everybody theorising. And I have never seen anything so unanimously well-received. Yes. yes. Ever. Yeah. I mean, I think somebody could lose their life potentially if they criticised it on on Twitter at the moment. <laughs> it's so unanimously in its yeah. favour. Yeah, it's, it's the like Beyonce levels. Yes, yes, it oh, is, isn't yeah, it? Love. Yes, one of those untouchable things. Mm. There are so many theories, and so uh, one of my favourites I've picked out to read to you because I would uh, love your thoughts. So Alice Lowe, um, a friend of mine who's a comedy writer and a screenwriter, her theory is um, quite interesting. I think some of which you will already be thinking, I'm sure, but. So here's my Fleabag theory. Maybe it's all really obvious, but and spoilers if you haven't seen it. 
So it had to end. This is why, I think. Fleabag corrected all the mistakes she made in the first series. In the last episode, she became a heroine. She reconciled with her dad. She even helped her stepmum to find her dad at the wedding. She didn't have sex to solve things. She was reconciled with her mum in the form of the statue and her dad telling her she was like her mum. She conquered the evil brother-in-law and most importantly, she helped her sister to be reconciled romantically, thus redeeming herself for the betrayal of her friend Boo. It was all about redemption and forgiveness, which is why she fell in love with the priest. But by the end, she didn't need the priest because she had become the priest. Everyone was in a confessional to her, especially the attic <sighs> scenes with her dad. Everyone yes. confessed. Everyone confessed their sins to her and were redeemed. They felt unconditional love, which actually she had with the priest too. They did love each other. They left each other with love, just no sex. Again, the opposite <sighs> to the last series. Alice. I think that's very Genius. interesting. Yes. There's a the lot of professional aspects. Yes, that gave me goosebumps. Yeah, because it. she became a listener rather than a talker. Because yes. the whole thing in the first series is that she keeps talking two or three lines past the point where you should have shut up, and that was where a lot and of her trouble comes from. And they keep making that they're waiting for her to put on a show all the time. Yes. They're waiting yes. for her to dominate yeah. proceedings, and actually, she sits on the sidelines waiting for other people to do it and reacting rather than. And claiming the miscarriage is her, claiming yes. someone else's drama when it's not even her drama. Yeah. To do. yeah, that's so. Although, true. didn't you cheer when she let out that punch? Oh, oh God, so yes. God, that was my so first involuntary punch so that I can remember. Yeah, just, it was oh, wonderful. Come on. Yeah, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Jojo nearly fell I off a stool. I thought the, the the piece that she made with Claire, who come on, yes. is which oh, is one of the great characters. She's so yes. brilliant that character and such a wonderful performance as Wasn't well. It? That that resolution with her sister was so important, wasn't it, to to her happiness and her relationship oh God, with love and everything. But you still got the everything. feeling they would get on each other's nerves. Totally, it's it's it wasn't idealised in any way. No, but you just knew that there was this foundation of absolute love and trust underneath it again. Which I think which one of the most existed. honest portrayals of sisterhood mm -hmm. that I've seen, and maybe ever. Yes, because that's. That's what it's like. Well, there's that almost great a great line in the first sorry uh, know, episode but... where she goes in to find her in the loos, and she's like, "Are you really upset with me, or just having a poo?" Yes. <laughs> I mean, like, that's how sisters talk to each other. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Also, get your hands off my miscarriage. Like, kind yeah. of like, yeah. she's aware of the, that. That is an amusing sentence, Only even though she's very angry. No, absolutely. Sorry, and the yeah. fact yeah. that mm. she Fleabag is the one she calls when her hair is awful, yes. even though yes. it's entirely her own <laughs> fault that she has the terrible hair. And Fleabag's comforting her... line to her, which is. It's French, Claire, which <laughs> I have now used to stop about 20 freak outs from my own daughters in the last two weeks when yeah. they're upset about something. It's French. It's French. Yeah. <laughs> and then that, that very beautiful, very little but beautiful moment when they're waiting for the wedding to begin yes. or they're, they're waiting mm. for the speech to begin. And she says, go, go, go. And she says, oh, you're the only person. You know, the only person I'd run across an airport for is you. But the build-up to that's really good as well because obviously in nearly every drama and movie that you see, there is a scene where you run to the airport at the mm. last minute because yes. you've realised that's your love. And the fact that before she delivers that brilliant line going, you're the only person I'd run across an airport for, she, Claire has gone through all the reasons why it would be absolutely impossible to go and chase after someone at an <laughs> I airport. That. I didn't know what terminal it was. Yeah. How would I know these details? I'll have he to buy a dummy ticket. Some, yes, exactly. He yeah. could be in boot by some tweezers. Imagine how freaked out he would be. So she just blew up a massive trope in like five lines flat and then still delivered this beautiful kicker yes. at the end of it. It was, it was but so... But it was also and... so true to Claire's character that she would have found a million reasons not to do it. Yes. And just, you know, you can and see then done it anyway. Yeah. She says, it. no, 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 no. 
I've got to do it. Yeah. yeah. And, and then her... she takes off her hair and leaves it on yes. the chair. <laughs> Which is yes. perfect. Because and he her... likes the mad hair. Yes, yes he the does. other guy. Yeah. He gets her. And her Looking reaction. Like a, <laughs> a French pencil. A French pencil. Um, when Martin gives that. Is his name Martin? Did I invent yes. that? No, Martin. 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 Yeah. Martin. Um, when he gives I mean, that I love speech. Him. He's so awful. And yeah. then she gets on her knees. Yes. yes. There's something about knees because the Neil thing knees? with the confessional yeah. on the end. But like, I, I was not know that she was going to do that. No. I, yeah, I thought she, she was going to cry. In. Yeah. Yeah. I thought she was going to go, no, you're right. You do hang up my certificates. Yeah. And, and the fact that she did it with such force as well. Yes. Please yeah. just go away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not, not even. Like a kind of anti-proposal. Yes. Almost yes. like. It was unequivical, like, wasn't yeah. it? It was just, please, please go away. Can anyone think of a TV show where they've not been able to guess what's going to happen next more than this? No. Because that, like, that, it, cause it knows true. what all the tropes are and it either plays off them or just goes off somewhere completely just, different. I mean, completely different. But the fact that the Home Secretary died in Bodyguard and we thought that she was going to come back. She was definitely going to come back. I still feel a bit cheated by that. That, yes, I'm yeah. still a bit I've annoyed. Had to watch the to save the <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> she the got palette. blown all the way yeah. to Corfu. I, I thought Claire might cave because yes. because what Fleabag does, but with a very light touch. Fleabag takes the heat for the family, doesn't mm. she? But her sister yes. is an in, utterly broken person. Mm-hmm. She's a damaged, sick, and broken person, isn't she? Her sister. And, but has this veneer of, well, at least I can hold my shit together. Mm. You can't. As long as I can hold my shit together, I'm all right. Well, she's a rule keeper, isn't she? That's the whole definition of her. How like She beautiful. plays everything by the book, whereas obviously Fleabag plays everything off the book. But so how that's... beautiful and swift was that moment when she comes in to help her with the works party and she says, just don't touch that. Yes. And literally the next beat is her picking it <laughs> yes. up and smashing it into a I had to rewind it and watch it's it over again. very it's quickly, so isn't yes. it? It's yes. kind of in and out. Yeah. 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 But that was the joy of it because you just... And, you, and then once it was done, you thought, of course, that was going to happen. Yes, yes because then you didn't have that leaden sort of yes. ten mm. minutes that you would have in a sitcom yeah. where you were waiting mm. for yeah. her to damage it. She just Straight don't away. touch that. Ooh, yeah. and off That's it went. the episode where you really start to understand the envy that Claire feels towards Fleabag. Because when she comes in and goes, Don't forget about how big my office is. And then at the end when she goes, We're not sisters. Or no, we're not friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're sisters. Yes. Get your own friends. Yeah. And I was just like, Oh Christ. Ouch. Like the envy was just powerful, and it was. And a, of course, they're not friends. No, so they're not. It's different yeah. that she's made a, pa- a pass at Martin. Yes. So yes. there's all that residual anger. Oh, but she but knows. Does she knows. But do does think? she? I think it's the jealousy of that her husband herself. would do that. Yeah. I feel she knew yeah. because at the end, when she said, "You may, you tried to kiss my sister," it felt to me like something she had always known on yeah. some level, and she was finally saying it out loud. Can I also draw attention to the line where she goes, uh, "People will always find you interesting with your quirky little cafe and your dead friend." Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's oh. such a sister line because she. Yeah. The just other, ruthless. The just other ruthless. joke that killed me was at the end when they're at the wedding and there's the, the bassoon playing and then he goes, and that Jake, was called creepy Where's Jake. Claire? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the fact that it was called Where's Claire was just so perfect. Also, as we are women, can we draw attention to the fact you only see it in a long shot, but Claire's outfit, it's that cream-coloured dress but with green velvet high-heeled shoes and a matching green clutch bag, which you only see in the long shot. But I was I like, that, that is an amazing outfit. All the outfits are really... And I was just like, that is exactly what I want to wear to the next party that I, that I, I go to. I still remember her uh, Fleabag's dress in episode one. That extraordinary structured black, beautiful. Oh, yes. that's, that's my favorite. Yeah, that's what I. When will there be a flea bag inspired range in Cesar or and other stories? 
days. <laughs> I would, Maybe not the pencil haircut. I'd wear it as a wig, though, would you not? I'd yeah. go, on the, I'd go the, I in the French Claire so, haircut I, at a party. I had that haircut after my first baby, the kind of I'm still relevant haircut. <laughs> it's such, such a, a true thing. It's mood. such a syndrome. Yeah. I'm still here. Yeah. Think, yeah, there are no photographs of that period. My, yeah. my I'm still relevant haircut, I went in to uh, a hairdresser's and said, just give me what you think would suit me uh, two weeks after I'd had my baby. And then I just sort of like didn't look at what he was doing. And then when I finished it, he cut it into a very, very harsh, very, very black bob. Yes. Which didn't suit my, my pink round face. And he went, like the cause. And I was like, oh. I do not look like the cause. That was the wrong haircut to give well, me. Well, Jim, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you saw the picture then. Yes. His sisters. <laughs> yeah. It's French. Yeah. It's French. It's, it's French. French. It yeah. didn't even look French. It was Irish and that's different. <laughs> oh. It would never make life-changing decisions at life-changing times. Absolutely. It, 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 don't touch your hair. Time. They should give you a blood yeah. test. Don't touch your hair and if for your you. hormone, if your hormones are wonky yeah. or you've got too much estrogen in your body from, yeah. from either pregnancy or childbirth, you should not be allowed to have a haircut. If your boobs are two sizes bigger than normal, no haircuts. Yeah. If you're leaking True. milk, yes. no, I will no. not cut out your, your hair, lady. Just wear a hat. Absolutely. It, it, it's, it's very true. In the same way that teenage girls, if you have to have a license to drive a car, you should have to have a license to buy a pair of tweezers. If you're oh, a 13 God, year old yes. girl with a pair of tweezers and you start plucking your eyebrows for the first time, you don't know where to stop. And that I'm is down. a lifelong injury if you do the wrong thing. You should have to pass a test you before really you should. pluck your eyebrows. Yep. Hair, is, hair is everything. I would like the hair is everything speech on my wall in my house. Yeah. It was just such a beautiful moment where every woman in the country was probably going, Yes! yes. I'm really yes. Su- it is everything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really surprised that every hairdresser that I've walked past today doesn't have a huge neon sign in the yeah. window now that says hair is everything. Like everyone who's every woman who walked past would be like, I get you, thumbs up, I will go in there. It's true. Yeah. Actually, everyone I know either dresses from their hair down, depending on how dirty it is and what they, what yeah. they yeah, need yeah, to yeah, yeah. or feet up, depending on what they need to be doing that day. So yeah. it's like, oh, oh yeah. it's a. Uh, Kind of meet in the middle. Yeah, exactly. And then everything has to. Tops and bottoms have to depend on footwear and hair. That's so true, isn't it? Yeah. And so. At the moment, uh, so I was in New York last week. Phoebe Waller-Bridge mm-hmm. is doing um, uh, Fleabag, the, an adaptation of the original stage show. So I think it's somewhere between Series 1 and the, the original Edinburgh Festival show. She's doing that off-Broadway. You cannot get within a mile of it. Like, forget it. You no. can't get a ticket. No chance whatsoever. I think we can safely say that nothing is going to win an award over Fleabag for the next year. Yes, Nothing's yes. going to win okay, any TV award. Which is right. Yes. Which is utterly yeah. correct. Yeah. And so what I want to know, seeing as all of you are writers, what impact do we think, negatively and positively, because I do think there are some negatives, um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge will have on the careers of female writers? Is it just a brilliant thing or what do we anticipate? Oh, it's going to be really harsh because any woman writing about a strong, quirky character mm. will go, oh, it's a bit fleabag, like yeah. we've done that. Not understanding that, yeah. like, you don't just have one unique woman sort of on the pitch every ten years. Like, you can have dozens of them and they will all do different things. Mm. So I fear that fleabag will be used as a stick uh, by, by quite a few uh, men. I'm saying men. It will be men. Men who will just go, well, we've just had fleabag. And yeah. I don't think we're ready for another <laughs> sassy <laughs> lady for a while. Yeah. Yeah. If you had two yeah. sassy ladies in a decade, the women might riot. Absolutely we did not. two whole series on a woman's feet. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. That's where we draw the line. Yeah, you've yeah. got those 12 yeah. episodes enough. And I think you're probably going to have some bad 
imitators. Try, yeah, yeah, some bad copies of. But of then Fleabag. I'm not even sure that would be a writer's fault. That would be, I feel like that would be a network trying to turn something into the next. Sure. Fleabag. You know, yeah. this sort of bastardization of a script happens I all mean, the time. I mean, the brilliance also, of it has been quite cheering, though, because yeah. you yes. suddenly go, oh, wow, I, there's a whole other dimension to writing which yeah. I hadn't actually been aware of. Every writer I know has just been in awe of her talent. Yeah. And yeah. you slightly just want to go, why am I bothering with my Well, I mean, yeah. that's yeah. the thing, that we're all just going to die yeah. from envy. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> it'll have the effect that we'll all be gone. Yeah. You could begrudge it because it's too good. It's, it's just so too good. good. The you, moment you just have to stand there and cheer and eat popcorn. Bask in it. Yeah. And yeah. Cry. The yeah. moment at the end of Ep 3 where... Andrew Scott saw broke the fourth wall yeah. and turned to it, yeah. and then yeah. in sort of ep four, then he sort of like did an expression at the audience. Yeah. I felt physically sick and burst into tears because it was such a clever thing to do. Yes, we we didn't know done. that we weren't it doing it exactly. We didn't know that we hadn't been doing yes. it, and she just did like that. And she threw it away just on those two yeah. bits. At the end of that, I was going, was "How's she going to develop exactly. that? That should have been a whole yeah. episode. Yes, almost. you could yeah. have a whole thing. But it was thing. just a moment. Yeah, just yeah. a little moment. She threw it away. Like it's so effortless. The writing in that is absolutely immaculate and elegant. The fact that we're able to pull so many things that have stuck with us yes. out yeah. of one series. I mean, Bodyguard was great and it was a phenomenon, but I, I'm sure of a man different. wearing a thing and uh, no. a woman in no. a trained toilet. I couldn't it's remember fast much food, about isn't it. It's fast food, You consume yeah. it yeah. and exactly. then you're hungry again. Whereas yeah. this, it has layers upon layers and it's so relatable, even with its madness. I mean, just the, all the throwaway lines. The guinea pig that's a hamster. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Nothing well, she just keeps saying it's, it's a hamster. hamster. Yeah. It's a hamster. Yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. I know we didn't even talk about series one no. because that's a whole other thing. Like she has just done, and I think also credit to the people who, I don't want to say let her make it, but let her make it and didn't fuck it up. Yes, they because that so could have easily been destroyed by just one person being oh God, too yes. heavy-handed. You know, I do feel great. Up. Kudos needs to be given to the BBC over Absolutely. this Absolutely. because it was a very slow burn. Mm. And well, the first series, especially, I was like, do I? stay with this I'm yeah. not sure if it's for the young people I'm not sure if it's for me and then suddenly you realise that everything has been built yes. into this terrible gut-wrenching revelation that just yeah. follows you out Yeah. and actually I think um, and it's interesting that we mentioned Bodyguard and Line of Duty because Jed Mercurio as well and Phoebe Waller-Bridge the BBC has nurtured yes. their talent and nurtured their careers and they've stuck with mm. them. Yeah, because the they reached term. out to her about Killing Eve and were like, no, I think that you can adapt these these stories and do this. And she was like, no, no, no. And they're like, no, really, we think that you can do this. So as you were saying, it's not necessarily the writer's fault. It's having the right team around them and the producers that go, oh, no, we're going to not fuck this up. Yes. <laughs> and we're going to believe in you. And so more people championing young women writers would probably There's been help. lots of speculation about, you know, will the next bodyguard uh, be on uh, Netflix or something instead? And the feeling seems to be that Jed McCurrier will go, well, no, I'm Team BBC because actually they stood by me. And so I'd love to think that Phoebe Waller-Bridge remains in public broadcasting because yeah. that would be... Wonderful, I think. I think it, it's a cherry on top that this incredible piece of work was funded through licence mm. yes. pairs. It's so good as well because, like, I mean, it's sort of like over the years, the BBC has started to look a bit tatty sometimes, yeah. and yeah. kind of like in sort of like you know, often it lacks the kind of balls that it used to have. If you look yeah. at commissioning process, like sort of twenty or thirty years ago, oh, shocking! There'd basically be like one guy in an office who'd just go, "Yeah, you guys have done a thing. Yeah, here's some money. Get on with it." Whereas now, I was talking to a, an absolutely legendary producer. I probably shouldn't mention who he was. That's worked on like every sitcom you've ever loved since like the nineteen seventies, and he was saying that when he made his first series, there was just one layer between him and uh, and the BBC. That was one sort of layer. Yeah. Of 
notes that you get from a producer. He was going, at the moment, we go through 17 different layers with oh, compliance. God. And he yeah. runs like a huge show now. And he was just saying, it's absolutely exhausting. The layers of compliance you have to go through. You get notes from everybody. Everybody's chipping in. And just it just becomes exhausting. Yeah, yeah. And you just get these kind of like sort of blobby, homogenous masses that just sort of sit there for like years, not really changing. So, And so I hope, I hope this has the impact of letting the BBC know that actually if you get people early and you nurture them, that that can bear fruits. They did it with Ricky Gervais. They did mm. it with Jed McCurrier. They did it with Phoebe Waller-Bridge. It doesn't happen often enough, but when it happens, man, it really happens. And be brave and yeah. let them do yes. their yes. thing. Absolutely. And let them Noted leave them. to death, yeah. yeah. Well, I think also if anybody... She was given total free reign, wasn't she, yeah. with um, Fleabag? Well, and also if anybody is thinking of writing, particularly women, because you can never have too many of us ladies doing some creative things, it's also really instructive to see that she did a lot of stuff before she started yes. doing TV. Mm. She was doing theatre. She was self-taping yeah. a load of stuff. And just if you can go and show people a thing you've done, if you can show someone something on tape and go, this is what I do, this is what it will look like, rather than having to explain sort of a script yes. or a pitch to someone, it makes all the difference. So if anybody... British people aren't always great at pitching either. Oh, God. No, sorry. Yes, I've got this thing. I'm really sorry. You won't yes. like I mean, it. It's really not yes. very good. Yeah. You know what? I'm but, not going to yeah. say anything. Yes. Yeah. In fact, no, I'm sorry I even yeah. came here. Yes. I'm barely literate. Yes. <laughs> do we think culturally, though, there's, there's a shift, never mind the business end of things and the commissioning end, do we think culturally something's shifting? I mean, the success of someone like Sally Rooney and... Mm. and and Phoebe Waller-Bridge, does, does it feel as though women's stories are changing? They feel more nuanced to me now. There yes. was, there was yeah. a very definite arc with everything, wasn't there? Actually, and if you look at Broad City, there are so mm. few shows about female friendship where they just love each other. <laughs> <Isn't> <laughs> yeah. no, nobody's jealous. Nobody's yes, trying to... There's no passive aggression. There's nothing. It's just like two stoned girls who really love each other. That is literally the show. There is nothing yeah. else. But just that I is love enough. It. Like, yeah. kind of no, like the, the that's bits, what yeah. I mean. It's yeah. amazing. That's, but just that. It's yeah. like going to a zoo and yeah. seeing like a mammoth or something. Your eyes are going, I've never seen this oh, before. This is really refreshing no, to me. Exactly. Two women looking at each other and, and loving each other is so rare and beautiful. But that's precisely my point. It's the first time... It feels like at the start of something new. It's the first time in years I had seen something where female friendship wasn't angsty. Yes. You know, it wasn't it's angsty. It wasn't complicated. We had that. <laughs> yes, apart from that. Yeah, that, that's that, all we've had. Yeah. Yes. With no, I, more think, sex. Yeah. I think it absolutely, I think it is changing. I think that they're just giving us more space to take up mm. because mm. before it'd be like, okay, you can have sex in the city. Yeah. And now you can have girls. Which is written by men. And then, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm. then, that, and the, but that's it. And then now it's like, particularly with Amazon Prime and, and Netflix, you can have Russian Doll at the same time that you can have Fleabag. Whereas I think before, it would have been one or the other and they would have had to be There's like only 10 one chair apart, at the table. You know? Well, it's also, also about the, money, though, yeah. isn't it? I mean, these yeah. female-led projects are making money. Ka-ching, and that's what yes. will eventually talk loudest. Yeah, make it and um, we'll go see it. Yeah, And also yeah. each one Look incrementally Woman, makes things yes, better. Marvel, whatever her name is. Maisel. Um, no, no, <laughs> no, I was thinking Marvel now. Oh, Captain, oh, Captain Marvel. Marvel. Sorry, Mrs. Marvel. But also Mrs. Marvel. Mrs. Marvel. Mrs. Marvel. So many Maisels, Maisels and Marvels everywhere. Maisels, Marvels, all the, but each one changed it because previously the structure usually was you'd get one girl fighting the patriarchy, one woman steps into Feisty a man's woman. world. Feisty lady. little bit. She'll fall over to show that she's not too much of a ball breaker. She's relatable. But the great thing that you see now with these things is more and more you're seeing women in a women's world. They were surrounded by women so it's not always having to fight mm-hmm. the patriarchy which is you know so tiring and you know depressing to watch like you can see a whole thing like in Fleabag so often it's just her mm. and her women like, mm-hmm. yeah. like it, yeah. it, there's that show The Bold Type as well which I don't know if you've seen that but it's wonderful it's just like these th- four three twenty something year old journalists that all work in a magazine and their boss isn't a scary horrible uh, fashion editor and a winter type she's just 
really she cares about them yeah and she makes mistakes sometimes but she you know is stern with them Mm -hmm. and it's just so nice to not have those stupid archetypes yeah yeah. because that was the thing in killing eve as well like kind of like just like the female casting and that just having fiona shaw just kind of like be the boss of mi5 and having her son working for them Phoebe Waller-Bridge hasn't written the next series of Killing Eve mm-hmm. um, she is still I think officially she's showrunner or exec yeah. Yeah. But she didn't she's write handed the second the, series no oh. she hasn't written it um, we worry we worry yes we do oh. worry but I'm glad that she prioritised Fleabag because yes. obviously that's yes. a no one else could do that nobody yes. else could do that um, and what do we think is next for her presumably Hollywood Films being our best friends. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yes, a voice. She was a very good robot. Loved her character. Yeah, she was in the little suit. Yeah, and they offered. Well, they there was huge rumours that she was going to do Doctor Who, weren't there? Which would have been amazing. Oh, that's like kind of we've, we've managed. She'd have been she incredible. Would. But she's too busy doing this now. But maybe. I mean, that's the thing. For the next twenty I years, the world is her oyster. Yeah, she, gets she all could the do meetings. whatever it is next. It'll just surprise the hell out of us. I think. It's going to be fun. Yeah. yeah. So what is filling the void in your heart? So I feel bereft. Yes. I do yep. feel bereft do. Yeah. that yeah. it's over. I was very, very sad. Mondays and are bad again now. Mondays were so good and then Mondays are and just turned back that into that last Mondays. shot of her just looking back and, and shrugging little, herself... She waved de- it all. Yeah. <laughs> 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 was, um, ...was very upsetting yeah. And, you, yeah. and you felt it quite acutely, like, what next, what next? So tell me before we go, what's filling your heart? Well, well I'm presuming that this, this whole hour-long thing of Fleabag is we're presuming that Phoebe Waller-Bridge is listening to this and she will become our friend afterwards. Obviously. So mm-hmm. by next Monday, we'll all be out with her. Perfect. That's why I'm here. Like, that's... That's what I was planning. Well, this Killing Eve, even if she's not written it. We don't have it yet. Yeah. So you're yes. looking forward to that. I've been watching uh, Shit's Creek. Oh, Shit's Creek is so great. funny. It's so it, it, at first I was well. like, I don't know if yeah. I want to watch that. You have and to get then past I did. The first series. Yes, once yeah. you get past the first series, the character development is great, and it's just it's Catherine just funny O'Hara. and it's smart. Love she, Catherine O'Hara. And her so accent is just so good. Like yeah. it's just it's so good. Incredible. You would love it. I need to do that. I'm in the middle of Bojack Horseman at the moment, which my kids made me watch, and I'd always thought it was one of those Family Guy things about some kind of incelly American dad just kind of saying, "Yeah, do it." It's not. It's a brilliant satire on on Hollywood. It's so clever. It's a world where people are half animal, half horse, or you know, half animal, half human, which I love. Obvs. It's so <laughs> clever and so funny. It's full of like sort of Hollywood insider jokes. It's you would love it. The um, character, the, the character development is crackers. At one point, there's a there's a subsidiary character. This girl is going out with a man that is actually three children standing on each other's shoulders, wearing a coat over the top of them, <laughs> pretending to be a grown up man. Course, and then he okay. has his whole spin off episode. You're like, that's amazing. <laughs> yes, show me more of this. And Jojo, do you have room in your life for non priest thought? Um, I'm self medicating with queer eye, and I was just admiring <gasps> your t shirt. Yes, right. um, I watched JVN half an episode oh before I walked So here Kate Sevier is wearing a JVN uh, t shirt. And I think my favourite thing. Which I was just watching half an episode before I came here yes. was is when the very straight conventional kind of doohickey looking men start asking for hugs from Jonathan. Yes. Yes. It's just like they all they can't resist I the know. love. They end up just softening and embracing it. I could do a solid hour on queer eye yes, because because yes. it, it's it's straight men taking on board gay and female culture of like self care and self improvement and, and talking it. about and then emotions. They blossom under yes. it because they're allowed to love themselves. The a casting bit. is so great good. on it so of the contestant, not the contestants, so the guinea pigs, if yes. whatever the participants. The black girl <laughs> magic one just keeps making me howl. Oh, Jess, the lesbian. Yes. Oh. And then I saw yesterday on Twitter that um, they've raised money for her to go back to college. Yes. yes. Oh God, no, no. it's a force for good. It, it really is a force for good. No, I fully believe it. So Jojo Moyes' top tip is yet more queer eye. 
that's never yes. wrong, is it? I recommend the Kaminsky Method. I love it. I think it's so lovely. Um, that's on Netflix and that stars um, Alan Arkin and Michael Douglas. And it is just, it's fab. If you like Nora Ephron, if you like that kind of New York... Jewish wisecracky Does type of not. Well, yeah. I mean, you've just that's the whole world. Sam. If, if you like that kind of humor, <laughs> you will love the Kaminsky method. And it's about what I love about it. It's about male friendship, but in the most beautiful, tender way. It covers male friendship a bit like Gone Fishing does with oh. Bob Mortimer and Paul Whitehouse. It's just very soft, loving friendship between oh, the two. Nice. So I would recommend that. So I feel like we could talk all day about Fleabag. I literally have another eight hours in me, but yep. we do have to go. <laughs> um, so Kate Sevier and I thank uh, Kathleen Moran and Jojo Moyes for joining us to talk all matters Fleabag. It's definitely making me want to go all the way back and watch it from episode yeah. one, uh-huh. series one. Um, but continuing our God theme, literally didn't play any music in our because we were no, we just much. <laughs> <laughs> continuing our flea bag god music uh, we'll play out with Aretha. Mm-hmm. 